Hey, Ms. Bahak here. I appreciate you taking the time to tune in to the Habit Chess podcast. Today's episode is going to be a format that you're going to hear if you stick around for future ones as well. But it's this concept of like what stuck after reading a book, after consuming a piece of content, whether it's years later or hours later, we all know that feeling of that one quote, that one line, two lines that are just stuck in your head after you hear it you can't unhear it and for some reason those are the things that i really like paying attention to so a lot of people like to read one book at a time and i find i did the same thing but it was you know you just don't move on you kind of stay stuck on one book you're like oh i gotta finish it so instead of that i just i revolve through a book i read so many different books sometimes three in one day, just because I want to like flip around or it's relevant to maybe a problem that I'm dealing with. So today, the book that I'm going to discuss with you is called The Psychology of Money, Timeless Lessons on Wealth, Greed, and Happiness. The author of this is Morgan Housel, and it is not what you expect. It's not one of those books where you're like, oh, I'm going to get all these crazy wild numbers and tips and tricks, tactics and things like that. It's more principles and it's not it's relevant i think it's not just like something from think and grow rich like 50 years ago so there's tons of ideas obviously in this book that i'm going to be coming back to in future episodes the one overwhelming idea that stood out to me was basically from this part in the book where he discusses the psychologist and researcher named angus campbell he was born in 1910 he wrote a book in 1981 called the sense of well-being in america and the common denominator that they were trying to figure out like what contributes to happiness because you've got people who live in different geographies you've got people who have different income levels education levels and so basically here's the line right the most powerful common denominator of happiness was simple campbell summed up having a strong sense of controlling one's life is a more dependable predictor of positive feelings of well-being than any of the objective conditions of life we have considered And this is more than your salary, more than the size of your house. And I want to read this next quote or highlight too. Money's greatest intrinsic value, and this can't be overstated, is its ability to give you control over your time. Now I'm jumping around here with bookmarks that I'm kind of telling you that the next one that I highlighted was a small amount of wealth means the ability to take a few days off work when you're sick without breaking the bank. Gaining that ability is huge if you don't have it. This just resonated with me so hard because, you know, being able to take a few days off, for example, and not having this risk of like getting fired by your clients or somebody just like not being able to replace you and do the same work. Like I've been in that position where I sat there when I was sick and one by one, you just, you have to deliver. Being able to basically still find a sense of control when you're in that position is very hard. But if I, you know, if I can, I found that, wow, I do feel like if I felt, if I made the time to read and I was like, oh, I've got enough control of my time that I sat down and read. And that to me feels productive and right. I, those two things are really important. I am like, whoa, like my life is going well for some reason. I feel enough of that spark, even if I've got to go do something I don't want to do after. And so I think there is definitely something like, don't get me wrong. I am, of course, chasing after more money. I'm not just like, all right, I'm good, right? But with more money, I am very aware of, I guess, the cost of certain things when I'm like, I just don't 
$100,000 is not $100,000, right? It comes with a series of handcuffs that you have to really like, you have to understand and be okay with. And I think before we get into certain games, if there's a way where it's like, I can figure out, even if it's a one hour a day, this is the one hour I can have control of my time and, you know, spend time on something that I actually enjoy doing. Because I think when that doesn't happen, I've been in this period for years where I just like, you know, you just like focus and cut out everything else. And it's just like, it's not, it's not enjoyable. This next quote that I'm going to jump to, the hardest thing about this was that I loved the work and I wanted to work hard, but doing something you love on a schedule you can't control can feel the same as doing something you hate. There's a name for this feeling. Psychologists call it reactance. Jonah Berger, a marketing professor at the University of Pennsylvania, summed it up well. People like to feel like they're in control, in the driver's seat. When we try to get them to do something, they feel disempowered, rather than feeling like they made the choice. They feel like we made it for them. So they say no or do something else, even when they might have originally been happy to go along. Again, money's greatest intrinsic value, and this can't be over stated is its ability to give you control over your time. And I think that I've seen also, it's not just like I've lived through a couple different careers or jobs where like I felt I got to this point, but I got to witness, like I'm talking like Fortune 100 type companies where people on boards, people just working nine to five there, like bankers like people who literally just were so miserable they were like our clients and it was so sad because they made insane amounts of money like you know what i mean like porsche money you know like two porsches and you know being able to afford the nicest vacation that they could have wanted but i remember talking to this dude like and he wasn't even from like it was in the bay area like this dude was from like australia or something and he, you know, he couldn't take him and his wife, like they couldn't go visit their family because there's just like, you have 10 days out of the year. And not just that, but it was truly like the, it was like 16 hours of work a day. Like the gym was the only time this dude got to like do something other than work. It was really just like four, five, six hours of sleep. And then he was working most of the other time. And it's just like, that lifestyle, I got to see that really, really, really up close. And I also got to see this other executive who was a CEO of a, you know, publicly traded company, or he was the CFO, but he had like the type of team where like his exit and everything had to be very, very, you know, careful. And uh, they've dumped millions and millions of dollars into you, your public face, all of this stuff. And so I got to see kind of the okay, wow, he got out of that world. He was literally just not doing anything and getting to like work on his health and go ski anytime he wanted. And it was like, that was funny because it was like, he would just randomly be like, yo, I'm in like Colorado or I'm in this place in Europe. And he just went there to go ski. He had like a number of times in a year he wanted to hit skiing. Anyways, getting to meet folks like that, you know, who are worth hundreds and million, hundreds of millions of dollars or manage hundreds of millions of dollars and have a lot of respect and whatnot and what they do. And it's just like they, there was still this thing missing. And so 
I don't know, maybe that to me, I get the biggest lessons from some of that is seeing it up close in real life in, in some ways after reading some of this. And this was one that I couldn't shake. So I hope some of these bookmarks made sense. And this episode was helpful because I do plan to do more of these where I'm going to come back to the psychology of money and focus on a different section of this. But again, I want to keep it honest, right? Because like, I'm not going to just make up the different bookmarks and be like, oh yeah, this was cool too. But it's like, this was truly the chapter that stuck with me. And one of the other cool things that I'm excited to do is, again, like I told you, this book is, I read this three months ago. So some of this is going to age and it's good because I feel like a lot of book reviews are like right after somebody reads it. It's like, okay, of course, this is fresh. This is nice. Like you're excited, but like what happens after you've read a book for four years and then you open it back up again and you see it with different eyes and you're like okay wow you know like what what do i want to know what what i want to know the types of things in book reviews sometimes like okay five years later this is still with me you know what i'm saying so anyways i hope to create some of that with these episodes i hope you actually take this and chew on it and get to do something with it for yourself but make sure to check out the links in the description below there's a lot of cool stuff that might be useful including the book if you want to read the full thing but thank you so much for tuning in i appreciate your time and i will see you on the next one